Hey, I'm Emma, and I sad macked. And I'm Shannon, and when I'm dead, all I want to do is disco. I'm sorry I can't. Don't hate me. The motherfucker's concise. I revealed too much too soon. I was emotionally slutty. Okay, I'm a big whore. I think we have a stiff breeze. I'll give you $100 if you say something bitchy about someone we know. Like, we just watched this episode. I'm trying to remember what that, the context of that was. Um, it's after Charlotte gets the gigundo flower arrangement for Miranda, and she was very upset um, because I guess the flower arrangement to her was like, it's a, it's supposed to be like, you're dead, we're mourning, not like you're dead, let's disco. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, love it. Um, so yeah, I guess that doesn't give too much of a clue of what we're talking about today. Um, we have very positive, happy, I mean, I don't think it has to be a negative sort of like pessimistic thing, I think. So today we're talking about death. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's the, that's the podcast. Um, but yeah, there's a few episodes in Sex and the City that sort of deal with death in completely different ways. I mean, of course, completely different people, but it's just like one of those things that it's almost like sex. It's like there's so many different ways to like approach the topic of death or mm-hmm. like approach the topic of sex, like mm-hmm. that I think it definitely makes for an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, we're talking about a few episodes, maybe a few other mentions of other things. Um, But yeah, let's let me get started with a question. Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I said that so ominously. Maybe I'm speaking like the Grim Reaper. (laughs) That's very on theme today. (laughs) But like the Grim Reaper from Sims. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. That I think in some Sims you can marry. Oh really? I well, I think you have what kind to kind of put, life is that. I don't sound <laughs> What's the pension like? <laughs> the Grim Reaper. I want to know the benefits package. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um but yeah, in talking about death, I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. what do you want for yourself post life? What do you see happening for you? I want to be a ghost. <laughs> I want to haunt. I want to um I want to like have a friendly haunting. I would love to have, um, yeah, very much like a haunting akin to like being visited by one of three ghosts over the course of an (laughs) evening and maybe like spurring some sort of character change and somebody who's burned me. No. (laughs) It sounds like you want to like act in, in television and film as a ghost. Like you, like be a very like dramatic like well thought out story (laughs) um I do want to be a character ghost actually it's quite criminal that um you know like it's it I feel like it's not a guarantee that somebody can see a ghost like given all the lore and like ghost stories that one hears about like you can't always see them and I feel like I would have a really strong look as a ghost like I would want to channel like corpse bride energy like beautiful but also decaying um yeah 
and it would be kind of a crime not to see it this is kind of a tangent but like did you ever hear about that show um amish ghost hunters no (laughs) yeah it was a trip (laughs) they were like there's a ghost in this electrical socket (laughs) Mm, yeah i i haven't gotten into any like like really intense ghost shows but i know they exist (laughs) i've seen them on discovery plus (laughs) i heard that Kristen stewart's doing a gay ghost hunting show um which also seems like perfect yeah i need it that sounds great but yeah i don't want to be hunted as a ghost i want to haunt Mm -hmm. as a ghost and yeah just stir up some trouble stir up some tricks and yeah have a great time you want to be the haunter. Yeah, I nice. do. That I do, but at some great. point I want to like, you know, move on with my life and <laughs> with my <laughs> afterlife. I would like to move on with my afterlife. <laughs> you know what? I would also like to win a, po- a posthumous Oscar. I really <laughs> see that for myself. Well, you better get started on your acting career. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's just going to come when I am a ghost. Oh, okay. I'll be the first ghost who was dead and then... <laughs> <laughs> and acted. Yes. Wow. You have, like, some lofty goals for yourself. You know what? Like, why stop, like, at this mortal coil? Like, when I've shuffled it off, I still want to be achieving great things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is so funny. This is so funny because this is not how I thought about this question at all. <laughs> I thought of this question very literally. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well then I, I would love to hear your answer. Um I I too would like to be a ghost. I always imagined myself as like a friendly ghost, like Ella Casper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little tricksy, a little silly. Mm-hmm. Um but in a more I don't want to say true, because I don't believe I don't necessarily believe that ghosts aren't real. Um, but in a more like tangible way, I suppose. Um, I've talked to my friends about this and I'm like, I, I've, okay, I've changed my mind a little bit. I used to be very like, no fuss, just mm-hmm. push my body off a bridge, which is probably illegal. So maybe don't do that, but just like plant a tree, like just like burn mm-hmm. me to a crisp and plant a tree, something like that. Like, mm-hmm. don't, I don't want anyone to care. Not, mm-hmm. not care but like I don't want anyone to make a fuss or no a big fuss. deal totally no fuss funeral just like quick little plant a tree or mm-hmm. something like that um but now <laughs> I want a little bit of fuss but I want it to be fun fuss mm-hmm. I want my funeral to have karaoke <laughs> yes okay we're talking <laughs> yeah. yes I want like people to serenade me And I think I would have rules. Mm. This is all coming into my brain right now. I Mm. think I would have rules that each person has to sing one song. Every Mm. attendee. I don't care if you don't like karaoke. You have to sing. (laughs) You have to sing in my death. It's like, you know, it's kind of like the birthday privilege. Mm. Like, you know, you can make people do stuff because it's your birthday. This is my death privilege. (laughs) It's like you are at my funeral. You can sing one song for me. And if you're a ghost, you're watching. Like, you can see. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So I would like one song per guest. Um, I want everyone to just get really drunk. Mm-hmm. But, like, not, like, sloppy and sad drunk. Like, <laughs> this is maybe, like, a high, a big ask. <laughs> but I don't want anyone to be sad. I want everyone mm-hmm. to, like, have a good time. 
send me off with a song and celebrate. Because mm-hmm. I think, I mean, death is the only guarantee in life. So And taxes. And taxes. <laughs> Apparently. <true. laughs> An excellent quote. Um, but yeah, so obviously we are talking about death. And there are two different episodes that stir up wildly different emotions that kind of touch on this subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first episode, season four, episode eight, My Mother Bored Myself, which is just generally a very memorable episode. Oh, yeah. It's a great <laughs> episode, really. It really is. Um, I feel like to, well, let me summarize it first. So Carrie gets to bomb, <laughs> not the good bomb, on her computer. <laughs> she has one of those really great, I, I've talked to Shannon about this pre-recording so much, but I love these old MacBooks. Mm-hmm. I want Apple, if you're listening, I want you to bring back these really cool old like translucent MacBooks that were like mm-hmm. these really ugly colors. Like they're like blue, orange. I think there was a pink one. There was a pink one. Yeah. Like bring them back. But anyways, I guess Carrie didn't have that one yet, but her computer crashes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's obviously, I mean, that's upsetting. And that is she's, very upsetting. Yeah. She grieves the loss of her entire life's work via motherboard because she has never heard of backing up. <laughs> and, you know, I've actually been thinking since we watched this episode a few days ago, I'm like, I need to back up. Mm-hmm. Why has nobody been telling me? I mean, I have in the past, but I just got a new computer and I'm like, I need to back up. It's the kind of thing you don't think about. It's like getting insurance or something. Like, you don't think about it until you actually need it, right? Yes. It's, like, very... And if Carrie's not, like, a tech person, I do give, like, a lot of grace for not knowing that that's something that she needed to do. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's kind of, it seems like a chore. It always seems like a chore to back up. It's, like, one of those... Yeah, it's just, like, insurance. It's, like, you pay for it or you, like, work on it and you just, like, don't feel, like... It feels like you're, like, throwing money at nothing. Yeah. That's how I feel about insurance. I get very, like, I know everyone hates insurance, but I feel like I have a very personal, like, deep, deep hatred of, like, insurance companies Mm -hmm. and, like, benefits and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, that's a whole... (laughs) I'd agree. (laughs) a whole other podcast. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so she's lost all of her work, her career, her life. Uh, or not she hasn't lost her career but she's lost she lost her life (laughs) (laughs) I mean might as well have that's what it and I mean you did talk about like you because this is an experience that's happened to you too yes and like the feeling and it's happened it happened to me too what I remember I took like an advanced world history course in high school which is Mm. wild and it was like one of my first essays that I had been working on and I was like 17 so yeah and this is also like early days of like owning your own laptop and stuff. But I mm. do remember computer crashed, lost that essay specifically that I had been working on for months. And it's like that feeling is mm-hmm. like when your heart just like jumps out of your gut. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. It is horrible. I get it. I get Carrie's like upsetness. It is really real. And like to think about the time that this episode probably came out, like. I feel it was almost ahead of its time in that way because this is a very common experience and if you think about how much of your life that you put into any device your phone your computer like your like your everything like your work your photos your emails precious 
text messages. I don't know. Like, you lose it all, um, you know, if, I don't know, some sort of crash happens that way. And, yeah, that can be really devastating. Mm-hmm. I lost all of my Sim families. <gasps> Tragic. I cried. It, yeah. That's upsetting. Lots of Sim talk today. I love it. Maybe we should do a mini-sode on the Sim. <gasps> we should make them all of the Sims. <laughs> we should stream us playing the Sims. Uh, we can have a guest spot on the Playthrough Crew channel, which is my Twitch video game streaming channel. Shameless plug. Um, but we could play and create them and put them in a house together and see what the hell happens. Oh my god, yes. That is very silly. I love it. I love that. Okay, we're going to put a pin in that. Yeah, put a pin in that, playing The Sims. Um, But yeah, she's lost her entire life's work. Mm -hmm. Um, Miranda's mother suddenly dies in this episode, and she experiences the grief of losing a parent. Um, Confounded by grief, Samantha loses her orgasm while Charlotte is in full planning mode as she has to get the white lilies mm-hmm. but fails obviously she doesn't want any crap yeah no <laughs> crap um yeah arranging for comically large floral arrangements to be sent to the funeral um everyone shows up for miranda and it is so this is a really special like friendship moment i think oh absolutely i think too like like Samantha especially I think we all have those moments of friendship where we don't feel like we have the capacity or we don't feel like we are able to be there for our friend Mm. in some way or another Mm -hmm. but we kind of just like show up anyways and do it you know what I mean (laughs) oh totally totally and you know I was thinking a lot about Samantha in this episode Mm -hmm. I was thinking a lot about our other podcasts that we love and cherish so deeply sentimental in the city if you haven't listened to their series in sex in the city do it finish this episode and then go do it Absolutely. <laughs> um but they've talked a little bit before about kind of like the little hints that we get about samantha's past life and they've talked about like oh we get like a little glimpse of like what samantha's childhood was like just in you know a passing line or anything and i was thinking about that in context of this episode where samantha is so profoundly affected by the emotion of grief that she literally doesn't know what to do with it and it causes Mm -hmm. like you know she can't orgasm like she can't experience pleasure in the same way that she had and there's kind of that like really deep sense of there's a really deep block within her almost to like confront that and acknowledge that head on so I'm really curious like what happened in Samantha's life that makes it so difficult to confront acknowledge and process grief I like, I don't know, just, I I guess like maybe nothing happened, but it is kind of interesting to think about from a character perspective of like, why is this, because it really does hit her in a very noticeable way and in a way that she does work through and she, she does show up for Miranda and she's able to like get through that, but like, yeah, what happened? It kind of makes me think of like, do you ever watch true crime documentaries where people are like (laughs) wrongfully acquitted for a crime? Yeah, here and there for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't watch a lot, but I've seen a few and you always see like their reactions to something Mm -hmm. and people are really quick to point the finger and be like, they did it because they don't seem to have felt shame or they don't Mm -hmm. seem to feel remorse or like stuff like that. I kind of like 
think about that here mm-hmm. because like Charlotte was really upset with Samantha like how are you not upset mm-hmm. and like why can't you be there for her and that kind of stuff without really like and I mean to be fair it's it, it is confusing but without really understanding that yeah Samantha is dealing with that grief in her own way and yeah. like she she like approaches it she doesn't understand it or she doesn't like know what to do with it which mm-hmm. is an emotion or maybe not an emotion but like that's a feeling that I relate to wholly like yeah. I something happens and I don't know what to do with it mm-hmm. so yeah every I mean everybody deals with it differently totally and I think that this episode too is a really interesting look at how people process grief in different ways um while also still keeping you know sort of a light tone <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to a comedy show but it is really interesting because Charlotte on the other hand like Samantha's really hit by by grief in a way that like is very confusing and in a way that is yeah just really difficult to sort through and move through and then Charlotte on the other hand is like oh, I'm gonna plan my way out of this and I can absolutely relate to both of those experiences of grief or really any kind of overwhelming emotion that hits you out of nowhere and you don't really know what to do with it like Charlotte's you know kind of intense I'm gonna plan to send a big floral arrangement we're all gonna go there together I'm gonna make sure that things are perfect like that is also a very interesting way to to respond to this and to to show up for her her friends Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and then in contrast season six episode 18 splat which I I didn't know this episode was called that and it just kind of made me laugh out loud Um, such a different sort of mood but this is closer to the end of the series when Carrie and Petrovsky host the most awkward dinner party on planet earth do you think it's more awkward or less awkward than Charlotte's fight with Trey over the cardboard baby which did okay this is like would you rather would you rather be at the dinner for cardboard baby or would you rather be at Petrovsky's dinner you have to stay for the entirety of one. <laughs> I'm going to take the Petrovsky dinner, like, ha- like hand, shoulder, entire people's bodies over <laughs> the other situation. Because that is so awkward to, like, to witness, like, that level of a fight between two people. Because, like, you don't know what to do. Like, y- you can't, like, intervene to an extent. Like, do you leave? Like, that? that is so – and it also feels, like, very vulnerable to watch, mm-hmm. you know – two people one person that you're really close friends with to like have that level of a fight together but the Petrovsky dinner that would be so interesting like almost anthropologically to like mm-hmm. be like what is this relationship like like who is this man that like my friend is obsessed with and then you have the comfort and the security of not only all of your friends mm-hmm. but your partner and all of your friends partners as well so there's like some good buffer there to also feel kind of like a little bit more comfortable that is true that definitely is the correct answer (laughs) (laughs) I just like I I sort of thirst for juicy gossip too and I love okay I don't love this is gonna make me sound bad I I do not wish for bad things to happen to people but when there is like couple arguing or like stuff is happening to friends I love hearing it Mm-hmm. I hate, I mean, it sucks when it happens to you, but I love gossip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so I feel like I see what you mean, like almost from an anthropological perspective. It's like, 
ooh, what's going to happen? I don't know. Yeah, and you, you really rarely, like, get the, like, the only two people that ever know what goes on in a relationship are the two people in the relationship. You really rarely get that window into what are they like? Like, what is this guy like when he's with, mm-hmm. you know, my, my best girlfriend or whatever? Um, and it's kind of like a window into that when you get kind of those really juicy, like, gossipy moments. Um or like a really awkward dinner party like this. You, mm-hmm. you get like a little taste of that. And then, of course, like Petrovsky uses that opportunity to be like, yeah, Carrie's going to move with me to Paris. <laughs> That's just like, oh. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, yes. Wolf. This episode, I mean, he's definitely not my favorite of the men. And he, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm Dan. I don't like him. Of course I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like him either. I'm not here for the Petrovsky apologies. Like, no. I I want to I want to get into that in in a little bit, like the the Petrovsky of it all. But um, yeah, no, not a not a good match. Not a good match. And I mean, her friends are also confused about like why, what is the appeal of Petrovsky, the mm-hmm. Russian? Um, yeah, he asks Carrie to move with him, and Carrie spends. <laughs> reasonable amount of time questioning such a large life upheaval um and getting so defensive when people would ask her questions i know like carrie's asking all of these questions and then her friends are like oh but like what about this and then she's like no more questions (laughs) (laughs) like okay but girl like what are we gonna do with your apartment like what are you gonna do about your job or your livelihood like these are like if you're not thinking about those, like I would hope to God that, you know, a friend of mine is thinking about that for me and helping me through that. Yeah. And not to mention, like, I know that the Sex in the City universe sort of like escapes or like skirts around the logistics of things. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, even recently we talked about like booking hotels and like the logistics yeah. of travel. And like, I have gotten up and like upheaved my life and moved to Paris. I have done that. And it is an incredible amount of preparation. You have to get a visa. Mm-hmm. You can't just move to a new place. Mm-hmm. You have to like figure out what you are going to do there. And mm-hmm. not only for your own sanity, but legally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, but as we know, they skirt the reality of logistics. So whatever, we'll give them a pass for that, I suppose. Um, but yeah, she ultimately decides to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes because we realize this when he issues the ultimatum i'm so mad i'm so mad (laughs) that is coercion yes and we don't talk about it we talk about like okay so uh, i'll get into it now but like the whole i don't necessarily agree that petrovsky is a bad person because he slaps carrie to me that the way that that scene plays off the way that i see it and that is like a really big part of like why people don't like him or at least how the show kind of tried to make it out to be like he slapped Carrie and that's this major wrongdoing um but it stems actually like back a lot earlier the things that he was doing with Carrie um and I I just like I see that scene as like it's very accidental and I've been in that situation where somebody like very much is like (laughs) like reversing their car and like you know how you put the hand over the back seat like I'm sitting in the passenger seat and like backhands me across the face <laughs> it's like, a regular occurrence in the in the shannon and riley household <laughs> oh my God. 
a gentle <laughs> slap. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I would like to also make it clear that was like prior to Riley. That was not Riley who backhanded me across the face. And it was very, very rare. I think it only happened once. But um, he like this issuing of the ultimatum of like, like not only did he spring this decision on her in the company of all of her friends without asking her about it first like number one that's like immediately I'm introducing this major life decision in front of all your friends in the context of like a lot of pressure there's a lot of pressure in that situation for Carrie to like decide yes or no and then every time that she asks him like very valid questions what am I gonna do for my job what am I gonna do about my apartment he almost kind of like writes them off as like those are silly questions like I'll pay Mm -hmm. for your apartment like oh you just come to Paris to live and (sighs) go to cafes and whatever and just like be I don't like he's almost like yeah he's writing off the way that she's asking these very legitimate questions as being like nothing like oh just don't worry about it don't think about it like you're gonna come and like live with me and then he does this he issues an ultimatum when Carrie is like I don't know if that makes sense for me right now I can't remember exactly what she says but he's like well if you don't come then you know I'll just I'll probably find somebody else or like something something to that effect of like if you don't come then our relationship is like pretty much over mm-hmm. and that is so coercive like you know you invest so much into this relationship up until this point and then you're faced with this monumental decision about how to move forward and your partner is like well if you don't like I mean this is like pretty much done like she doesn't have like the full space or freedom to be able to make an actual choice in the situation and like that's why I don't like Petrovsky and then also if we really want to like peel back the layers of Petrov I'm just like soapboxing at this moment <laughs> so please sorry. no go ahead <laughs> This is your time to air your grievances. I need to air my grievances. <laughs> um, but like Petrovsky, he really romances Carrie without making a connection with her. Mm-hmm. Like there just is no real investment in who Carrie is, what she wants to do, like what she's interested in. It's always revolving around his idea of romance and like what his life is and what where he's going. Like, I just don't get that same buy-in to Carrie's life as much as he's so like invested and immersed in his own in his own world and that's like infuriating of course he's not a good match for her and then and then yeah he just uh (laughs) he like coerced well he doesn't coerce her into going to Paris but I really do think that he like removed a lot of the choice in that matter um and I think that that whole the whole Carrie Petrovsky going to Paris is supposed to mirror Carrie and Big going to Paris from earlier in this season or series, I should say. And in that situation, Big doesn't give the option whatsoever. It just like doesn't even present it mm. as a thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of comparison between the two of like, oh, well, this is like Carrie's moment. Like she's actually with somebody who cares enough about her that he's not only offering that as a choice, but he's like, yes, please come with me. Please come to live in Paris or whatever. Um, but I don't actually think it's a real choice because there is a lot of that pressure behind it um, for Carrie to make that choice that mm-hmm. I don't really think it's examined enough. I don't like Petrovsky. Yeah, we don't like him. No. <laughs> I also just like, sort of side note, like I just, I hate this whole, 
<laughs> this whole like romanticized notion of cities because cities are cities and your life is your life and like I I guess just like from okay I <laughs> So there's actually in the Japanese embassy in Paris, there's mm -hmm. a full section because Paris is so romanticized in Japanese culture mm -hmm. that when they go to Paris, it has a name. I can't remember what the name is, but like Japanese tourists will go to Paris and they'll be so disappointed by how different it is than how mm -hmm. it's been like per, um Oh my God, not persuaded. What is the word? Perceive. Perceive. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yes. It's like so completely different than how it's been perceived in like media that they actually like get depressed, that they have to like go to the embassy to seek counseling by how disappointed they are by Paris, which is so funny to me. But I think, yeah, like these questions that Carrie has, like, what am I going to do to just brush them off? That's that's part of the coercion and that's part of the manipulation is just mm -hmm. like, ah, like it doesn't matter. It will all work itself out when it won't. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a place like any other. And it's, it's just, yeah, it's so frustrating. I couldn't agree more. And like something that there was like a point in my life where a number of my friends, um, were like moving to different cities. So this was just kind of like a topic of conversation that came up like quite a bit. And I remember one of my friends, like, told me something along the lines of you can leave a city but your problems are always going to follow you like just because you have a change of scenery doesn't like remove any of the things that you're struggling mm -hmm. with or dealing with and like I think that, that speaks to your point really well like you can go to Paris but like you still have your life there like a city is just a city and it's like going to be a different backdrop for sure and like maybe different like influencing factors or elements like a language barrier that's a pretty big one mm -hmm. but um yeah like everything that you're struggling with like your life your day-to-day -day, like that's going to follow you in some way shape or form and like it's very valid to ask those questions and I think that Miranda especially is that friend that is really pressing for Carrie to not only think about those questions but to like provide a real answer because she really doesn't like when any of her friends ask this she's like why are we questioning why are we spending so much time questioning I don't know <laughs> but the man that I love invited me to go to Paris like and that is kind of romanticized as well um just this idea of like yeah asking I guess your partner to move with you to like a very very heavily romanticized city there's there's a lot like built into just that vision that I think is actually pretty divorced from the reality of living mm -hmm. in Paris. Yeah. And I think that Miranda, like even when we were watching this episode with a few friends and I think that she kind of receives a lot of flack for being very curt with Carrie. But I think in this moment, Carrie needed some like tough love. I mean, mm -hmm. I guess it didn't work, but <laughs> it, so maybe I don't know what she needed, but like, yeah, it, you kind of need to get like snapped out of your dream state a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that was obviously very difficult for them to get through to her mm -hmm. in that moment because you are caught up in it. You are caught up in not only like the romanticized notion of the city, but also, yeah, like you said, the the relationship and mm -hmm. uh, everything will be OK, like and everything will be good and, and beautiful and amazing. And it's like, yeah. You're, you're still gonna have the same problems you're still gonna give you're still gonna be in a relationship with a man who gives you an ultimatum mm -hmm. <laughs> yes deal breaker <laughs> a deal breaker ladies <laughs> so i mean ugh. they made that whole reality show the ultimatum 
Oh did you ever God. watch that? Yes. I think I forced you to watch it. You did. You did. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't force. There was no coercion there. <laughs> I happily agreed. I mean, I do love reality <laughs> television, but it was, oh, oh my God. It's fucked on every level. It of is fucked. absolutely <laughs> fucked. This is the, this is the level of TV we've reached, but. Yes. With, <laughs> with Nick and Vanessa Lachey at the helm. <laughs> Gorgeous. What is this dystopia we're living in? <laughs> so yeah, in the end of this episode, uh, sp- speaking of death and how we, how much we hate Petrovsky, uh, <laughs> NYC it girl Lexi Featherstone falls out of a window to her untimely death at at the party or at the party at a party after saying I'm so bored I could die mm-hmm. which is great and it's very it's very like it always makes you cringe because I get like really bad vertigo and I mm. have a fear of heights mm. so seeing it I'm always like Ugh. it like makes my whole stomach lurch but it's it's still the way this like scene is presented and the way even at her funeral and all that it's very like campy. Yes, yeah. Which not too heavy. Yeah. I mean obviously completely different than the previous episode with Miranda. Like mm-hmm. I mean a character that we're very close with. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, just two different interesting perspectives of death. <laughs> the, yeah, very much so and it like we don't really see yeah, we don't really see too, too many examples of death like throughout the main series of the show. And when we do, it's it's usually a tangential character like Miranda's mom or Lexi Featherstone or um, that one designer that's supposed to be based on Gianni Versace. I can't remember what the name is um, from season two, but this is really different when we go to and just like that and <laughs> big dies and the way that the tone of that funeral is a lot heavier than any other experience of of death or mourning that we've seen really throughout throughout the show yeah i mean it really is like the thing of and just like that season one Mm -hmm. like it pretty much sets the tone for the entire season Mm -hmm. i feel like after that funeral episode and yeah it's I mean I guess it's so much closer it's Mm -hmm. big it's like Carrie's like the number one thing of the entire series Mm -hmm. kind of she loses that Mm -hmm. and so yeah it sort of becomes and then you know they kind of start to deal with the logistics because they you know Carrie meets uh his father was it his father or his uncle it's been so long since I've watched it, just it's, like that now. His brother? Brother, yeah, yeah. That makes more brother. sense. But yeah, it's uh, quite a different shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also just thought of, um, well, of course, Samantha. I mean, when Samantha gets sick, she gets cancer. There mm-hmm. is sort of that fear of death that comes up and that actual like treating it like a real thing. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a good... like. I feel like that's an interesting contrast to explore too just even in the episodes that we're talking about like the way that death so suddenly comes up like for Carrie's laptop (laughs) 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 or even for you know Miranda's mom like it really like it hits out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and then for Samantha 
like when she's diagnosed with cancer there's kind of like this slow evolution like of her character arc is really realizing like oh I can't always just laugh my way out of this like this is like a real possibility and it's a little less like out of the blue in that way and instead death is like oh this is a possibility there is a possibility that um yeah that I might not survive this cancer diagnosis or experience and you know Petrovsky says as much like in that episode where he's like your friend might die (laughs) and Carrie is just yeah she's in denial and I guess it's that whole thing of like people deal with grief in different ways like I mean I guess this isn't quite the grief stage but like deal with that sort of information or that sort of news to happen to them like Carrie is very quick to kind of like make a joke or like try to laugh or Mm. you know she's gonna be fine she's gonna be fine (laughs) and yeah like sort of just deny the truth of the situation and deny and I mean I don't (laughs) this is turning into the I hate Petrovsky (laughs) episode like I think he was very inconsiderate in the way he sort of like said it to Carrie and the Mm -hmm. way he sort of approached um her own fears like Mm -hmm. I I I don't think he like properly sort of addressed that but um like the way that Carrie is dealing with this sort of information is like that's that's how she's dealing with it and like I love the moment where Samantha like I, I think she even like puts out her arm and she like holds Carrie and she's like let me talk about cancer for mm-hmm. like a minute like mm-hmm. I need to talk about she's like I might die Carrie and Carrie kind of it's like no 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 like it's gonna be okay but Samantha is like no no please like let me just be honest and I think yeah. that that is like a really special really vulnerable moment for Samantha too yeah. to kind of like acknowledge that <laughs> do you know what that reminds me of um have you seen Inside Out? The I haven't. You haven't? <gasps> no. And I know I should watch it. Oh my goodness. You no, can, it's a it's a good it. watch. <laughs> well, I, I won't spoil it too badly, but um it carries just like eternal like optimism in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like so much reminds me of like one of the main characters, Joy, who's just the solution is to like always look on the bright side, like look on the silver lining, like things are gonna be okay. Like, you know, kind of pick back up. And um the reality is, yeah, like sometimes to emotionally process anything that's really significant. It's like actually you have to like sit in that sadness sometimes. You have to like confront that and you can't just you can't always laugh your way through mm-hmm. um, through everything that's really difficult. It kind of makes me think of that whole, like the whole toxic positivity thing. Totally. Which is something that I've sort of, I mean, I guess it's sort of come up more in media in the past few years, but yeah, like sometimes, like, I mean, as we said at the beginning, like death is inevitable. Mm-hmm. This is something that will happen. Mm-hmm. Um your friends will die. You might die before them, but like this is like these are things that will happen and things that maybe you don't have to like confront in that moment. But when you do, it's like you have to accept that that is a part of life. And like mm. it doesn't. And as I said at the beginning too, and it like kind of related to our question, I don't think that. Yeah, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear of like the unknown and like what's gonna happen when you die and like what's going to happen to your family and your friends and like all that kind of stuff but I also like 
I don't think that I don't see death as necessarily a negative part of life. I see it as just like another part. Well, it's an essential part of life, mm-hmm. you know, and you can even just I always think of this in terms of like nature or mm-hmm. anything that grows, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> if, <laughs> like plants yeah, and shit. Like of course. you die and you return to the earth and cycle of life and that kind of stuff. I think it is really interesting to think of funerals specifically because so much of the funeral often really isn't about the person that just passed and it's often really like for the people who are living with with that grief and processing that and it's that space for them to be sad and it's less about it or I guess like so often in western culture it's often that um Mm -hmm yeah that focus on like friends and family like processing that grief and that sadness and it's treated as like a very sad thing whereas I know that there are some cultures and some approaches to that where it is very celebratory and it's very celebratory of a person's life and you know the impact that they had um and it's interesting to it's interesting to think of something that is ultimately about like a funeral for example that's ultimately about you or about like one person but you actually don't really have a big say in planning it. <laughs> well, mine is now recorded and out for the world to know. So yeah. <laughs> nobody has any excuse to not have a karaoke funeral for me. <laughs> and just to be clear, I, I do want a disco. Perfect. Disco ball, disco no, music. There will be disco balls and disco music lore. <laughs> if I have a say in it, who knows? <laughs> I guess no. we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean... It's so true. It's like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, when somebody dies, it's truly about like everyone around them and that's, and that's okay. And that's normal. It kind of, I don't know why, but it kind of made me think of this. I was like, I don't know if I saw a TikTok or I was reading a Reddit thread or like, I don't know why this like comment is sort of like ingrained in my brain, but they were talking about, um, oh, because they were talking about having children Mm. and they're like, well, don't you want, I think it was like, uh, I'm not anti-children. I just don't personally want children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of people do get a lot of like bad feed or not feedback, but they kind of get like a bad rep for that. So they push yeah. back a little bit. I luckily live a life where like nobody gives a shit if I have a child or not. Um, but anyways, so they were talking about like the argument for having children. Like, mm-hmm. don't you want people to be surrounding you on your deathbed? Which they're like, I think this is such a selfish argument because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you want to like traumatize a bunch of people and like have them watch you die? Like mm-hmm. that's what that's why you want to have children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it just kind of makes me think about this just in regards to like, you know, it's really not about the person who died. You're right. It's about like the grief that surrounds everybody else and how that affects them. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, it's something that can tear families apart. Mm-hmm. Like it, it tore my mom and her brothers and sisters apart when my grandmother died. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it, it just, it becomes this, this thing that's such a like necessary part of life has now become like taxes. <laughs> it's now become like a, like a bureaucratic problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm-hmm. like dealing with the paperwork and like who gets what and just like, mm-hmm. I don't know, starting to like think about all that kind of stuff. It really is a burden on the living. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot to, to think about, especially if you leave like 
you know, if somebody were to pass and, like, leave behind, like, dependents or anybody that, like, literally needed them to stay alive, that's, oh, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to, to think about and work through. I kind of want to talk about death in terms of tarot. Yes. Because <laughs> I feel like that's, when, when I was thinking about death like that, that was definitely something that came to mind, um, and I'm, I'm not, like, you know, an, an expert at tarot by any stretch, but the death card in tarot is very much not about physical death, and it's more so about the, it's almost like, I, I read, a, I read, um, I don't know, something online that characterized it more of, like, a spiritual death. So something in your life is ending, and that mm. creates an opportunity for something new to begin a new chapter or whatever and um yeah I think that's like kind of interesting to think about in the concept (laughs) in the context of the series as well and just like what are some of those moments where characters like very much have a piece of their life ending and then something else beginning Mm -hmm. and I think that that like the reason why big really had to die (laughs) (laughs) so He, was, got, he had to go. He had to because, like, where are we going with Big and Carrie? I can't take it anymore. Like, of the, the the Carrie of it all, like, <laughs> of their relationship. Like, he ultimately had to die so that we could get a new series. Like, and we could get, like, a new chapter, a new exploration of, like, what happens for Carrie after that. Like, Big's death is pretty monumental because – in some ways it like marks the death of like the series like that Mm -hmm. is it very much marks the end of that whole period in her life where she really was questioning like is big the one like am I going to get married and like finding that true love and then and just like that is that after like what happens after you find that love that love you know goes away for whatever reason like what yeah, where do you go from there? And that that is a really interesting new chapter to explore. But, um, I mean, that's a very literal, like, death marking a new chapter for characters. I know that that's, that's not always the case throughout the series, but interesting to think about. No, but I've always, like, well, not always, but, like, every once in a while I'll have, like, a dream about dying or, you know, something like that. Yeah. But very much that read of it being, like, uh, like, the end of an era or, like, the end of a you know something Mm -hmm. is just is just like an opportunity for rebirth Mm -hmm. and I just kind of had like a random thought I wonder if they could like because I'm not a religious person Mm -hmm. but there are oh this would be a good topic religion Mm. um but yeah like they do kind of explore that uh some like when Carrie goes she like stalks big at church and Mm -hmm. like Charlotte's whole storyline of her like converting to Judaism because the way I sort of, and I know this is hugely generalized, and I'm, I mean, I guess I can't, I'll just say, like, I think a part of reason that people are drawn to religion or a part of reason that people follow religion is, like, a fear of the unknown or, like, yeah. a fear of afterlife. So it would be kind of interesting to see that explored a bit more because we yeah. do, like, with Charlotte, for example, I'm kind of thinking, like, more specifically is, like, although I don't really know much about Judaism, to be honest. But, mm. I mean, it would be interesting to see, like, how they sort of deal with that. 
mm-hmm. I don't know, but it ends there because my <laughs> my knowledge is so limited about religion. I grew up in a very like atheist household, like. Mm. But I think exploring those themes of like, yeah, the afterlife and sort of dealing with that would be interesting. Totally. And I I mean, I grew up in a very Catholic um, household, so that's very limited, (laughs) very, very limited scope for me. Like the heaven, pearly gates. I remember watching like cartoons at my grandma's house that were very like, I don't know, kind of Catholic propagandist Mm. of like getting into heaven, that kind of bullshit but uh sorry mm, i don't know i think of it as bullshit <laughs> what do you th- what does big say he says like heaven is a is a big bed yes <laughs> <laughs> i mean i love that i kind of love that too i don't want anyone to come into that bed but i want it to be like a giant solitary bed and then you just sleep for the rest of your life like love that for some reason i'm imagining this heaven bed is a circle it's like a huge i don't know why but i'm just imagining this like huge circular bed mm-hmm. and and it just has like clean it, the sheets are constantly clean yes you get in it you sleep in it you get out they're clean again yes i do i agree with big this is something i agree with big on <laughs> <laughs> he had a really um i think forward looking vision of, of heaven very <laughs> very nouveau but i i do agree with you like you know that's such a big draw uh, is like that i don't know what happens after i'm not like a person in my body alive on earth and that's a very disorienting feeling to grapple with for a lot of people and i always think that like you know as humans like we just really want to believe in something that's larger than ourselves and i think for a lot of people religion fills that that kind of gap i think that i could also see astrology in some ways like filling that gap for a lot of um people that maybe issue religion for for different reasons but um yeah there's like that belief like there's something larger than myself out there and there's something more for me than you know just what's here on earth like that like you're holding on to something that isn't necessarily there you're holding on to this idea i want to hold on to that heaven bed idea (laughs) i want to hold on to that bed idea too that sounds really nice (laughs) i wonder if casper mattresses (laughs) sponsored that i mean we do love bed like the bar (laughs) oh yes yes so good so good it kind of my brain is kind of like wasn't there a conversation in and just like that where they talk about oh because it's the episode where Carrie sees the lights yes the lights flickering on and off and they sort of have this what do they say (laughs) I don't remember so I think that she was thinking that that was like Big's way of communicating with her from the afterlife and Mm -hmm. I remember too like throughout the series she characterized Big as a as a friendly ghost like there was that episode where they very much were talking about being haunted by past relationships mm-hmm. um so i think yeah the the flickering light was pigs trying to talk to me <laughs> yes i do i really i don't know sometimes like i find comfort even just like thinking of ghosts and that kind of thing of like there there is some way to connect with people that you know you love and you care about that are no longer you know on earth like like my grandma was really close to like before she passed she'd always tell me like 
you know, when I'm gone, I'm going to be the flea, like, on the wall that's, like, always kind of there and, like, watching and, you know, always kind of around. And I don't see very many fleas, so I don't know. <laughs> Grandma? <laughs> you there? But uh, <laughs> it is kind of, like, comforting in a different way to, um, yeah, to think that, the like, their spirit or whatever is, is always there in some way, shape, or form. I've always also been drawn to the idea of ghosts and unless, yeah, like, pe- <sighs> I don't know people are like oh do you believe in ghosts and I'm like yeah but like not not in like the Casper the friendly ghost kind of way Mm -hmm. like in the way that their spirit still kind of like is there like there's still like that flea on the wall and like whether that's a like tangible quote unquote like real thing or not but yeah you can still be like connected to that person Mm -hmm. so yeah I love that your grandma sounds sounds like she was a cool lady (laughs) she was a cool lady (laughs) Yeah, I guess we were talking about chapters in the sense of tarot, mm-hmm. and you had a couple others. <laughs> yeah, so we I guess we talked about this like pretty recently, but um, Miranda and Miranda deciding to like ultimately follow through with the journey of motherhood and that kind of marking the end of her chapter as a single woman. Um, yeah living living in the city i think that um as well it's interesting to think about charlotte and the new chapters that charlotte kind of goes through because i very much see an end of a chapter for charlotte following her divorce from trey and just kind of that like complete shattering and disillusionment of this entire life that she spent so much time and energy like investing into like she had her memory box like from season one with like all of the things that she wanted to achieve like she wanted like this certain vision of a life this certain husband the family and then her divorce from Trey is kind of like it wasn't this I got the picture but the picture wasn't what I it wasn't good it wasn't actually like what I emotionally or spiritually wanted or anything like that and then like having to and then her shift to like Harry and then she ultimately of course does get her family but it looks very different than that initial picture that um, I'm sure she had in her mind and I think that that can be kind of like a disorienting thing for a lot of people is realizing that the life that I envisioned for myself is maybe not going to happen that way it's going to happen a different way or I just kind of like you have to accept that. Yeah, it <laughs> it is it is very much like yeah, the death of her marriage and the death of her life that she had painted for herself, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I <laughs> I feel like my parents have painted like such a different picture for my life than like other people cuz I just I very much like I'm like expect the unexpected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go with the flow. Like I don't know. I never really had that like I guess it's hard for me to like relate to Charlotte on that level because hers is like very so intensely like yes that I I grew up with like I remember like growing up with people that were very similar to Charlotte and like they would tell me you know when I was like seven or eight years old like by this age I want to be married and have like a family and like this is what I want I want to have this job and like be this part in my career and I remember like listening to that and being like what oh okay yeah like I don't know for me I don't know and (laughs) it's just like a real blurry picture and like we're gonna figure it's gonna like I don't know etch a sketch into form (laughs) like 
um, as I as I go about this life. Just we stumble <laughs> through life. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I wonder. I mean, I bet you that their lives are not what they pictured. No, and that's. I think that for a lot of people like that's how you set yourself up for disappointment is when you like so firm like I think it can be good to have like certain goals in mind and like work towards those but like you have to have to some extent like a little bit of a little bit of leniency in what you envision for yourself like you have to be open to to the unexpected you you kind of have to expect that to a certain extent because yeah like life doesn't give a fuck (laughs) what you thought it was going to be and I think that that's also why I like playing sims because I can remove their free will and design their lives so that there are zero expectations I think that's why the sims is such a highly popular game Mm -hmm. is because that's an experience that a lot of people relate to is that you want to have this sense of control over what your life is and what your life will be and we just don't. So it's so it's ironic that Sims is a life simulator, but literally we play to escape real life. Yes. Because it's so mm. controlled. Wow. Love that thought. <laughs> okay, my question for you: What do you think? Do you think that Carrie had a picture, a certain picture of her life, at any point during the series? At any point? Yeah. I think it's one of those things that changes like and uh, you know I say very much like oh I I never imagined anything and I I just every day is a new day and I you know don't expect or expect the unexpected but I mean you do reach stages in your life where you have a certain expectation of how it'll go Mm -hmm. even if that's just for a year or two years or whatever but I do believe I mean as we discussed earlier it's very easy for a character like Carrie to like fall under the spell of romance mm-hmm. and I I do see that she, or I expect that she would have had this sort of vision of like her and Big mm-hmm. and that was very much built up that oh it's it's the Carrie and Big story like they were the ones that were meant to be together and I think that comes from her mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, but if in in terms of like do you mean like in terms of like growing up, like pre-Sex and the City, Carrie? I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like, because I, I asked that because like Charlotte is that character that like has all of that like really crystallized. I think Miranda to an extent as well is another mm-hmm. character that has some of that kind of really firmly mapped out, like wanted to be a lawyer, like wanted a certain career track and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, Carrie is kind of like, a little less clear I guess in that way I think and this is a line I actually really relate to with Carrie and that we just saw in this episode where she decided to move to Paris and I so Miranda says to her like you like your column it's who you are and Mm. Carrie says it's not who I am it's what I do and I actually like that line every time I see that like this fight between Miranda and Carrie it always hits me and I think I've been thinking about it a lot these past few years because there is a lot of pressure. And I, in terms of the other characters, I think Samantha Miranda had that similar expectation, but in terms of a career, mm-hmm. I knew, like, I think they had expectations of, like, making enough money and, like, living independently and, like, you know, being successful in their careers. And that was a vision that sort of, like, came true for them. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Um, But yeah, this sort of like, I've been thinking a lot these past few years about like, 
what is a career? Like, should I do my master's? Should I do that? And there's a lot of shoulds. There's a lot of shoulda, woulda, couldas. Um, But I think that's sort of like expectation. Because when you're thinking about your future, Mm -hmm. that's like one of the, you think about your partner, Mm -hmm. or at least, I mean, a lot of people think about their partner and their career. Mm -hmm. What am I going to be and who am I going to marry? And like, I think that there's so much pressure put on that. And like, I've sort of reached a point in my career, in my day to day where I'm like, I'm sort of happy with this. And I don't really know if I feel like I need to advance. And like, I don't, and it's sort of that like disconnect that I've been feeling this past few years. Like what I do is not who I am. Yes. And I have a life outside of that. I have a podcast. I have a social (laughs) life. I have, uh, you know, like it's sort of that like separation and that's why I just I love this line so much for Carrie when she's like it's not who I am it's what I do um anyways I don't know that was a tangent but I think basically I I, to answer your original question I think Carrie is kind of more like us I think she was Mm kind of like oh I don't I don't really know like I think she's kind of flying by the seat of her pants a little bit I would also guess that from her spending habits (laughs) <laughs> and her money, I mean, like her fine, yeah. like, I think that people that are very, <laughs> this is my very general theory, and I have nothing to back it up. But I think that people that are very particular about money and saving money um, typically have a vision for what their future looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and I think that people that are a little more flippant, a little bit more impulsive, maybe in their buying, might be a little more impulsive in real life about like kind of maybe impulsive isn't the right word, but like maybe a little more like we'll see how things play out. They'll happen as they happen. Totally. And like maybe you have never been in that situation where like, oh no, like you really need to have a plan. (laughs) Yes. It's like, or, you know, been in a situation where like, oh oh, fuck, like, you know, what am, what am I going to do? And Carrie is thrown into that situation at least, at least once throughout um, the series. That is kind of, yeah, I would be curious to see if that ever happened anywhere else throughout her trajectory of, of living in, in New York. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like, I really love how Carrie, how Carrie says that to Miranda. And I think that that really separates exactly what you said, like almost kind of their, a lot of their goals as like people. Like Miranda is very career oriented, is very much like invested in making partner at her firm and you know, kind of pursuing that. Um, whereas Carrie, I think, has phrased like multiple times over the series, like I'm looking for that all-consuming, you know, love. Like I'm looking for that, like that really big love. Um, and she writes about her journey doing that. But yeah, like that, her column is not who she is. Like that's just kind of, I guess, the the processing and the journey to, to find ultimately what she's looking for. Mm-hmm. And it is, I mean, with writing, like it is a, piece of who you are especially Mm -hmm. something so personal like her column um but it's still a job like I remember the episode where she was having writer's block and they had to like go sit at a cafe and like scout for men on the street just to like come up with something just like scrape something at the surface because Mm -hmm. it's like yeah her column yes she pours a lot of her heart and her love into it but it's still a job it's still Mm -hmm. (laughs) like a way to pay the bills to pay for those shoes but it doesn't like define who she is no and I think that um I think too like that 
that really becomes like the reason why she says yes to Petrovsky to move to Paris is that fear of like, well, am I going to stay in New York and like be alone? Like, and there's almost like that fear of seeing Lexi who falls out of the window. Mm -hmm. Um, That like fear of like, is this my future? Am I going to be like, am I not going to find that love if I like let this opportunity pass me by as, you know, there is there nothing left for me in New York? Is it time to like move on and, and discover something new and really pursue this like love that I've found? I don't want to call it a big love. It's, I don't know. <laughs> Just, I'm really, I don't want to give Petrovsky more than he deserves. Yeah. But yeah, I think there, like, there's a lot that, that motivates that decision. And I guess like from that perspective, it is very much in line with who she is, is like making those kinds of impulsive decisions, like maybe not like fully thinking through like, what am I actually going to do in Paris? Like maybe it is just enough for me to like make this decision based on like, I'm going to go there to live and I'm going to go there because like uh, this person that I love is, is going there. Mm-hmm. I personally can't relate to that like as as much I think I, I would definitely be more like Miranda uh focused and like asking some of those questions but um yeah I kind of I I also think it's really interesting to think of that fight that they have in at the end of Splat and think of the fight that Carrie and Miranda have at the end of and just like that because it's so mm. similar in a lot of ways and you know like yeah, Miranda's getting kind of irritated at Carrie for not fully thinking through this decision, uprooting her life, moving to Paris for Petrovsky, for a man. And then, yeah, like the very similar thing happens with Miranda moving to L.A. for Che and this very, very new relationship that she's exploring. And yeah, there there's like a very different treatment of, of those decisions on both characters' parts. Well, I mean, there is such a huge departure from Miranda's character in mm-hmm. general. <laughs> it's it's so, so different. I, I just, I saw in your notes, like, speaking of it just like that, like the end of Miranda's relationship with Steve, too. Like, just mm. that whole, the death of the relationship and then, like, rebirth mm. of Miranda is just so, like, shocking. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think that that's, like, what a lot of people like ourselves included to an extent like that was the most jarring part of and just like that was this character that we think we know and we have you know so much material to suggest like well this is how Miranda would act like this is how Miranda would like do stuff and then yeah like it it is very much like a whole new chapter for her and almost like a rebirth of her character like maybe I can be that person that is a little bit more impulsive and you know does things for love rather than doing things um, you know, very with a lot of like heavy decision making and weighing of the pros and cons, um, which is a little bit more characteristic of Miranda throughout the series. And you know, like the thing is that people, or at least what my belief, I, I think people change or people have the capacity to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have two friends who are getting married, and recently he was telling me about how you know how there's like sort of maybe this is more in movies and television but there's sort of this like not phenomenon but like sometimes people get married and then one person completely changes after they get married and it's like you don't even know who they are well (laughs) it was funny because like my friend who's getting married was saying that he was saying to his partner 
are you going to do that? Like, are you, are we going to get married and then you're going to change your personality and like leave? And then she's like, no, but I was thinking, are you going to do that? <laughs> and they, they like fully had this like conversation that was like, I also had this fear that you were going to become a completely different person after we got married. But that's the thing is that it does happen. And mm-hmm. like, I, yes, it, it, it is upsetting as fans to watch a character who we've sort of like grown to love so much as being one way um, to turn a different way. And like, while I'm still like, it's not my favorite. I mean, we've talked about it and just like that. And it's not, you know, it's not my favorite thing to have happened to Miranda, but I don't think that it's as, I get kind of frustrated with like fan, like fan bases of shows sometimes because they have such like demand for characters and they have such like, Mm -hmm. You know, like, well, she wouldn't do that or like they wouldn't do this, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you know, people change. And also the writers decided to do that with them. And like, that's just what happened. I don't know. And that's like life, too. Like that, that is, yeah, that is life. Like life. people change. People, you might marry somebody and then they become a whole new person. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like how many horror stories have I heard about or read like on Reddit or something where like you marry somebody and then you discover like they have a whole like fucking secret life that they were keeping from you. Oh, my goodness. Like the horror. The horror. Oh, yeah. No, that I, I agree. I agree. You can you can change. <laughs> you can be a different person i it's it's funny like every time i think about that and talk about that i always think of the show house Mm. and uh his like the main character house dr house um his perspective is very much like people don't change and it's a very pessimistic um outlook on the world like people are always going to act like how how they are and i think it's a lot more hopeful to think yeah people do have the capacity to change and have the capacity to change in good ways and bad ways but um yeah <laughs> it's, it's a little lighter to look at the world that way yeah I think in a in a positive way it's like we can have <laughs> this is gonna sound so weird we can have like little deaths in our life and like mm. little rebirths and little like I mean life isn't this idea that we've carved out for ourselves when we were five mm-hmm. it's like I I see that as a positive thing I see that as like things can change and evolve and and I, I sort of just see death as this like part of that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm making a hand motion, which I know our, <laughs> our listeners can't see, but it's things fluctuate and things change. And yeah, yeah death is just, I don't, I don't know if I see that as the end of that or just as like a new start. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. That was my <laughs> impression of Shannon. Thank you so much. No, I can't do it. Thank you so much for listening (laughs) i actually did that to somebody the other day and i thought of you you know how you know how friends like pick up mannerisms from each other and like start to kind of talk like each other i did that so (laughs) i love it but yeah truly thank you so much for listening uh we appreciate it so much yes and please rate review and subscribe um 
you can be a hater, but don't hate us. <laughs> Our new uh, we, are, we are people too. Um, <laughs> and if you are so inclined, uh, DM us a post-it note. Send us your your burger musings, um, your post-it haiku of how you would terminate a relationship. <laughs> I would love that. Please submit your <laughs> relationship ending haiku. I would love to see that. You can really get creative. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Don't Hate Us Pod. Yeah. And we'll see you all next time. We'll hear you. You're all ghosts for us. (laughs) Lovely little ghosts. (laughs) 